working with people with PTSD and working with people in our community is it opens a lot of doors. And not too long before the pandemic, I was ministering over here at the small VA clinic hospital over by the main hospital. And I remember as I got to know the doctors and work with some of the people, one, one of the great things that happened one day is a doctor was giving me a tour around the building. And he was talking to me on how traumatic brain injuries are so, uh, so difficult to deal with. And it's a very common place for people who've been in the military. And he, he wanted to give me an example. So he took me to these three men. They were older men. And they were sitting there and all together. And he said, now watch this. And you'll learn a little bit about how the cognitive brain works. And I remember when we were sitting there, he, he went to the first man. And he said, this is William. And he says, William, he said, what's nine plus three? And William sat there for a few minutes, kind of used his hands and stuff like that. And after a minute, he said, Saturday. So he went to the second man. The second man's name was Paul. And he said, Paul, what's nine plus three? Same kind of reaction, a little bit quicker. The guy came back and said, 2,780. So he goes to the third man, and he says to the third man, he says, what's nine plus three? And the third man sat there for a minute, and he said, 12. And the doctor said, great. How did you come to that answer? He said, I took Saturday and subtracted 2,790. Anyway, it's a joke, but uh, you never know how those things are going to work out. But uh, open the Word of God with me, if you would, this morning to the book of Mark, chapter 5, verse number 1. You can stand with me when you get there and reverence to God's Word. In reverence to God's Word, we'll go ahead. We're going to be reading the first two verses to get going this morning. To get going this one. So you might hear a little bit of Connecticut in there. Even though I'm a native now, living here in Greenville County, I was born and raised in Connecticut, as was my wife, Debbie. We've been, uh, we've been in language school for years, and they still haven't got rid of all the problems we have. So we're still working at it. I was working at it at the barbecue place I was talking to people about earlier, SBH, and uh, uh, they were trying to give me y'all and all y'all. There was, there was some definition. I didn't even know about those words. Uh, all y'all's everybody, you know? Saves a lot of time with the syllable breakdown, but here we are. We're in chapter 5, verse number 1. And they came over onto the other side of the sea and into the country of the Gadarenes. And when he was come out of the ship, immediately there met him out of the tombs a man with an unclean spirit. Dear God, we love you. Oh, dear God, we come to you this morning and we beg you if there's one among us who's not saved, who's never accepted Jesus Christ as the Lord and Savior. Oh, God, please save them. It would be quick, dear Lord, to give you the honor and glory. You alone can save. Oh, Lord, we come to you this morning. We wonder if there are those among us with hurting hearts whose lives are upside down and things have been hard. And, oh, God, we come to you this morning. We know that just a word from you, just a nod, just wrapping your arms about them could change their situation. And we come to you, Lord, and we ask that you would do that. Lord, would you be with us? Take from my vocabulary Take the words from my brain that would not bring your honor and glory and strike them. Replace them with words of life and peace and grace. We love you, Lord. In Christ's name we pray. Amen. Please be seated. So uh, here we are in the Bible, and, uh, and the Lord has just crossed the Sea of Galilee with his disciples in what they call one ship. We know by going to the Sea of Galilee that this ship is only about 40 feet long, and it's just a little bit wide. They used to actually use a story stick. And the story stick was one way. If you made your ship longer than that story stick, you were taxed more money. Just so you know, there were a lot of Democrats around back then too, praise God. And then they had a mark on the story stick going the other way. And if your boat was wider than that story stick, you got taxed more money for that as well. So government was still hitting people back then. So we're talking about a small craft. Yet we learn in the book of Mark in 
in, in chapter 4 leading up to this that they crossed the Sea of Galilee, that the, the Lord preached on the parable of the seed or the sower, and uh, he gives a great sermon on that. He gets out there and says, you know, sometimes we throw the seed, and we know we have the responsibility, right, to throw the seed out, to share the seed, God's word. And, and, and so he's telling us we go out there and we, we throw that seed out there, and sometimes, you know, the following, and I got it out of order. You guys don't judge me that of that, but sometimes we throw that seed out there and the birds eat it up, and, and sometimes it's, it's growing on rocky areas, and it just it, it doesn't grow much and it blows away, but sometimes... Man, when, that, when the seed catches, boy, when it's in good soil, when, when God grabs a hold of that, it grows, and great things happen on that. He's preaching on that, and then he, then he gets over here and he talks about that we don't take a candle and put it under a bushel. We don't take the light that God lets shine through us. We don't take the light that God gives us. It's God's light. It's not ours. But we have a responsibility to keep it shining. It's never been our light, but we don't take the light that, that God lets show through us and come through us and be part of us, and we don't cover that up with a bushel. And, and, and he's saying we don't take a candle, which was a week's payback then. Man, you can imagine how much work went into that candle. It lasted a long time. We've seen some in ancient places, you know, they were made different with beeswax and all kinds of things, and, and they'd burned for a really long time. But that candle where that candle came life, you could read the scripture, you could go through and eat, you could take care of your family. You know, when you were reaping those crops and it was dark early and, and uh, uh, the sun would never come out, man, you use that candle, it was so important. And the example he's given is we don't take that week's pay, we don't take that candle, we don't take that light we use from God, we don't take that light and cover that up. And an example to us is we don't take the light of God and, and, and the saving power from sin and changing lives and what God's done for us and put a bushel over it. So he's warning us about that. We don't do that. We don't want to cover up what God's done for us. We don't want to cover that. We want to share it. And then they cross the Sea of Galilee. And we know the Sea of Galilee is about the size of Guam. And uh, I flew over to Guam years ago, and I remember as we were flying in, I looked out the side of that huge airplane. We had come out of Hawaii when I was in the Army, and I saw this little dot of land down there, and I'm like to the flight attendant, man, there's a cute little piece of land right down there. She said, that's Guam. I'll never forget that. I said, whoa, we're landing there. But as you got closer, of course, about seven miles wide, 30 miles long or something like that, almost about the same size as the Sea of Galilee. And the Lord started crossing the Sea of Galilee. He got done... He got done uh, training and, and, and preaching. There's no better preacher. There's no better teacher. There's no better place to look for teaching than in God's Word. That's why we're here this morning. This is a church that's the Bible Baptist Church. Bible's right up there in the beginning. We're not playing around with that kind of stuff. This is a Bible place. We don't, we don't come here to hear our opinion, but to look at God's Word. And, uh, and, and, and so he crosses over. They get done with the teaching and the preaching, and and these ships take off. It's not only Christ and his ship with the disciples, but they say there are other little ships with them. And they start cruising, but a storm shows up. And when that storm shows up, uh, I mean, they, they say that the water is beaten into the ship. Now, folks, if you've ever sank a boat, I sank a boat. I had this beautiful purple boat when I, years ago when I was in the Army, man. had an 85 Merc on it, and I, I had my best buddy, and we, we met some girl somewhere, and her, there were three of us in the boat going for a boat ride, and we hit rocks. Now, I'll never forget when that boat sank. There's a terrible feeling that comes in your gut when your boat starts sinking. You know, the first thing we said, did anybody bring any life jackets? And the answer was no. You know, what do you need life jackets for? But anyway, the boat's filling up with water, and I had this two-pound Maxwell House coffee can that was filled with night crawlers because we had this 
image that we were actually going to go fishing out there. We never did, but the night crawlers were probably dead. But uh, anyway, I'm pumping that boat out as fast as I can, and the people I'm with are, are you know, they're just doing it. it, it we, the boat was gone. It's still there as far as I know. One guy talked about going to get it a few years back, but it's been there since 1980 or 81 or something like that. Well, anyway, I swam one way, and those two swam another way. And I, I don't think I ever saw that old gal again, but I was trying to hold my wallet above water. I swam to shore, and I was walking down the road holding my wallet up in the air. And this guy picked me up and said, did you sink your boat, did you? And I said, it gave me a ride. But uh, the point I'm trying to make with that whole concept, it was a bad deal. Never go out on a boat with me or the Apostle Paul. I don't think Paul's going to get me to go on a boat with him even up in heaven, praise God. I'm going, you know, Paul, I'll, I'll catch the next cruise, you know. I'll, I'll go with James or something. Just leave me alone. But, but anyway, this, I'll never forget what it's like when the water starts coming into that boat. But folks, they, they got across. They went to Jesus, and they, to the Bible says he was asleep on the pillow. And they said, Master, carest thou not that we perish? Boy, we have no concept and no idea just how much Jesus cares that we perish. Isn't that a great thing that he died for our sins and our substitution? And, and uh, you know, he's talking to them, why are you so fearful? And, and they feared exceedingly, it says in that last verse in chapter 4. Isn't that crazy? And they feared exceedingly and said one to another, what manner of man is this that even the wind and the sea obey him? Boy, they got to know who God was that day. But you know who didn't get to know what God was that day? Those other little boats. You know what they did? They turned around and they ran. And folks, isn't that a picture of ministry today in life? So many people, when those storms show up, they turn those boats around and they run. So many people turn around and take off, and, uh, but not, not Christ. And they, the boat that Christ is in, it is important, the boat you're in. It is important the Savior you serve. It is important the God you serve. And, and they get over to the, to the nation of Gadara, and as soon as they get over there, man, that water piece be still. It just got as flat. Everything was clear. I remember years ago I was able to stop by and see the Sea of Galilee when I was in the Army. And I said to the tour guide, and the Sea of Galilee was jumping everywhere. You know, it's below sea level. I mean, it's so extreme there, the temperatures and out there in the middle of nowhere. And the Sea of Galilee is jumping all over the place and ripples. And I said to the tour guide, I said, sir, how often does this lake just flatten right out? How often does that happen? And he said, what's today's date? And it was somewhere in the 90s. And, and I told him, and he said, you know, he said about every 2,000 years, I guess, because it just never gets flat. But when God's in the boat. When God's in our ministry, man, when God, things get flat then, praise God. And, and uh, so that's where we are. So they land on the shore, and it says in verse 2, And when he was come out of the ship, immediately there met him out of the tombs, a man with an unclean spirit. Now it goes on to tell us a little bit about this man. And uh, it said, Who had his dwelling among the tombs, and no man could bind him, no ought would change. So uh, remember what this is all about. we got a guy with an unclean spirit which basically means this is an unsaved individual who has demons in his heart. You can only have the Holy Spirit of God in your heart or demons. You can't have them both. Where there's clean, unclean has to get out. God doesn't allow people to hang around in his area. It just doesn't happen. When God's in the house, you don't have to worry about the other gentlemen. When God's in the house, you get a little, little bit of a different life. And, and, uh, and, and so we find out, and, and this, here's a guy, they, they tried handcuffing him. They tried shackling him. Look at verse uh, number four here. Because he had been often bound with fetters and chains, we shackled him, we handcuffed him, and the chains had been plucked asunder by him, and the fetters had been broken into pieces, neither could any man tame him. Over in the book, Luke, it said he is naked. He was naked. 
I don't know about you, but I don't like naked people being around me, praise God. I'm just not into it. We got a rule in our house, we will not go to Walmart after 10 o'clock at night. It just doesn't matter. We will starve. We can make it to the next day. We're not going into Walmart. I don't want to see naked people, weird things. I mean, there was a dog wearing a wedding gown last time I went to a Walmart after 10 o'clock at night. Debbie and I were somewhere. There was a dog in a wedding gown, all right? You got married to another dog. This world is crazy, folks. And uh, there's certain things you don't do. This poor guy, his life is a mess. And, uh, you know, he's walking around naked. He's cutting these things into pieces. And then look at verse number 5. It's even more telling. It says, and always, night and day, he was in the mountain and in the tombs crying and cutting himself with stones. Cutters. So many people cutting today. I think 14% of teenage girls, uh, uh, another 5 or 6, 7% of the population cut themselves. And when you talk to people and you coach people and you counsel people who are cutters, you say, why are you doing it? And they say, well, I don't deserve to feel good. I, wanna, I don't deserve this. So I'm, I'm cutting myself so I don't feel well. I, I've got to make myself feel better. And isn't that a terrible thing? And, and when we got God's word, which is totally sufficient and full, it can help us get through these things. And, and this guy's about to meet God, but he's crying. He's cutting himself with stones. He's living in a cemetery, folks. So let's review what we know about this guy. This man, he's got an evil spirit, at least one, right? We know that where we're at now in the book. We know another thing about him. We know that he's naked. We know that he's crying and cutting himself with stones. We know they tried to handcuff and shackle him, and he always gets loose. And friends, let me tell you, the devil has power. He's not omnipotent. He's not even in the same area code of world as God. We get that. But when you don't have the Holy Spirit of God blocking your heart, boy, I'll tell you, some of these people can do some pretty crazy things. And We've seen them. All we've got to do is pick up the newspaper or, or turn on the Greenville Police Facebook page, and you see all this. This guy's life upside down. He's the guy that you warn your kids, stay away from that guy. Don't go anywhere near that maniac. Whatever you do, don't go by the cemetery. Don't walk outside by yourself. The maniac still lives in town. Hey, the maniac is still in town. Folks, we've got a bunch of maniacs around Simpsonville and Greenville County, don't we? They're still in town, and we tell our kids, hey, watch out. Don't go anywhere alone. Don't do this. And uh, I read the other day that an 85-year-old woman in Ohio had, a, had two men break into her house, and she killed both of them with a 45, praise God. And the news came out and said to her, why would you have a 45? She said, because there's maniacs around here. And uh, praise God. He was a good shot, too. And, uh, but, but then you read on, but look what happens here. So he's crying, he's cutting himself with stones night and day. He's, his life is upside down. He's pleading for people. His situation's hopeless. In my Bible, at the top of this chapter from seminary, I have the chapter of the incurables. Uh, you see, the devil's, the devil's hope, the devil's mission is to take these people who've got an evil spirit, to take these people whose lives are upside down, to take these people whose worlds are upside down, and the devil's idea, the devil's wish, the devil's hope is to distort our view of God. That's what this is all about. But God has nothing to do with that. When God shows up, there's no more distortion. When God shows up, things start getting right. Look at God showed up. But when he saw, in verse number 6, but when he saw Jesus afar off, he ran and worshipped a man. He came down the hill. Something was different that day. The wind stopped blowing. The sea got flat. It only happens every couple thousand years anyway. Everything was different. Things were changing. Things were going to be different. Man, he, he goes banging down and he runs into it. He knows that's his Lord and Savior. And in verse 7, and he cried with a loud voice and he said, What do I have to do with thee, Jesus, thou Son of the Most High? 
my God. I adjure thee by God that thou torment me not. When you see Christ, when you know God, when you have the fear of God, when you learn your Bible, when you dig in, wow. You have to say, God, it's Doug. I adjure thee. Don't torment me, God. I need you. He won't. We serve a just and a wonderful God who won't. He loves our prayers. You know, when we pray, we talk to him. When we read his word, he talks to us. And, and, uh, and then he goes on, for he said unto him, this is the Lord speaking in verse number 8. He says, come out of the man, thou unclean spirit, you're out. If God says it, it's over. If it's in the word of God, it's over. You can bank on it. You can trust it. You know what happened? They were gone. Can you imagine being the guy that cried and cut yourself with stones? Being the guy that had been handcuffed and shackled? Being the guy who lived in the cemetery? Being the guy who was hidden from everybody? Being the guy who was running around naked? And all of a sudden, you're all right. All of a sudden, your spirit is that of a godly spirit. All of a sudden, your heart is filled. All of a sudden, you just want to serve God. And, uh, and he asked him, he said, what is thy name? And he answered in verse 9, saying, my name is Legion, for we are many. Legion is a military term. It's a military term used in most foreign militaries, just uh, to give you a concept of how big that is. In the American military, a legion would be a couple brigades. It's thousands of people. He said, my name is Legion. There's thousands of us. There's a lot of us who are messed up. There's a ton of us who are out there doing the wrong things, living the wrong things, in the wrong place. We're out there. There's a bunch of us. Many people believe in that intertestamental period between the Old Testament and the New Testament. They call it in Greek the Hellenization period. It's that, it's that concept between, uh, you know, the Old Covenant and the New Covenant, or the Old Testament and the New Testament. And for hundreds of years, there were battles and wars, and they were fighting for land and domination and to get the word out. And many people believe this guy, the Legion, and his buddies fought those. And like many of our men and women got stuck when they got home. And their name of Legion because there's a whole bunch of them. There's a whole bunch. Here in the Greenville area, about 25, 30% of our population suffer from PTSD. And it said, what is thy name? He answered, my name is Legion from me of many. And he besought him that he would not send him away out of the country. Don't you love a God that's so good you don't want to leave him? Don't you love a guy? I want to stay. God, don't send me away now for the first time in my memory. I'm not cutting myself with stones. For the first time in my memory, I got things right. For the first time in my memory, I'm going to stick with this, man. I want to stay with you. Isn't that a great God? We serve that God. We want to stay with We want more of it. We want to keep coming back, man. We don't want to miss church. We, don't want, to, we want to be part of this. And Now there were nigh unto the mountains a great herd of swine feeding just up the road there. As you went into the mountains there at Gadara, there was a bunch of pigs. I like pigs, praise God. Thank God for pigs. And anyway, uh, we were talking in the morning service about SBH barbecue off the Pelham Road exit. The guy won the national championship. I thank God that he opened up pigs to us, praise God. That's, that judge's platter over there will change your life. So will the bill for it, unfortunately. The demons realized something happened. Here's what the demons realized. They said, well, you know, will you send us into swine? They know they can't go into a heart that's protected by God. You can't have unclean and clean in the same heart. Clean always pushes away the unclean. Clean always pushes away the evil spirits. Clean always uh, takes over for that time. And, and so we're going to go into these pigs now. That's the only option we got. And forthwith, right away, Jesus gave them leave, and the unclean spirits went out, entered into the swine, and the herd of swine 
ran violently down a steep place into the sea, and there were about 2,000, and they were choked in the sea. So they ran down the hill into the Sea of Galilee just as fast as they could. Years ago when I was on deputation, I think it was 2004, I was out in Iowa. And when I was out in Iowa, one of the churches I went to, the pastor was tri-vocational. He had a, a pig farm. He was a pastor of a church, and he delivered fuel oil. It was one of the best places I ever stayed at, a big old house I had the whole side as kids were growing up, a Korean War veteran, a good old fella. And every morning I'd wake up to a pound of bacon cooking in the pan. And, folks, I'm not talking about that make-believe Oscar Mayer time. I'm talking pork chop thickness, praise God. And you get, like, three pork chops. You get a half pound of bacon every month, fresh. I mean, just, just all sizzled up and moist and that grease everywhere, and you could dip your eggs in the bacon, praise God, not the other way around. And, and uh, man, they would deliver fuel oil, and we'd go out there and we'd feed the pigs, and then we'd preach God's word at night. I was out there. We had a week of meetings. I mean, I was having a good time. I got fuel oil all over me. I was having a great time anyway. But I'm telling you, we went out to feed the pigs one day, and the pigs were swimming in a pond. And I said, Pastor, I got a question for you. He says, I know where you're going, Brother Doug. I said, how can those swines swim across that water like that? How can those pigs swim? He says, pigs swim great. He said, they got all the fat on them. So I, I float great and swim great myself. They got, got all that fat on them, and, 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 and he said, they can float. He said, but here's the thing. For a pig to swim and not run violently down a hill, for a pig to have everything going on, they have to see the other side. If they can see the other side, they're okay. Well, what happened with those pigs that day when the evil spirits were in them is they ran down that hill violently into the Sea of Galilee, and they didn't see the other side. They didn't know where they were coming out. And they think they took those hoofs and ripped their throats and killed themselves. And that's a picture of a life without Jesus Christ. Folks, if you want to see our people suffering from PTSD, a lot of them, a lot of them are running violently. A lot of them can't see. It's because they can't see the other side. They don't know that we pass from death unto life when we accept Jesus Christ as our Lord and Savior. They don't realize there's a God who died for their sins. They don't understand that the Bible is the all-sufficient Word of God inspired to help us get through these things. And, uh, and that's what's going on. And they that fed the swine, look at verse 14, that they fled and they told it in the city and in the country and they went out to see that which was done. And when God starts working, people start talking. I remember when all that long ago when I was up uh, by Winston-Salem somewhere out in the woods in North Carolina, and uh, there was a church. I got invited to speak at a church and candidate for them as a missionary. And I remember I'd always set things up where I'd get to the church at least an hour early. I wanted to make sure that everything was cool and I had plenty of time. I, I wasn't local in the area, and I drove up and down that street that church was on, up and down. Couldn't find the church. And finally, there was a Sheets gas station. It was kind of like QT. So, you know, you can get food, you can get gas, you can get coffee, the whole nine-yard coffee shop mixed with Subway, mixed with Pizza Hut, mixed with gas. And I remember walking in that day, and they had that manager up. He had that little microphone on. He's like, hey, I got two entering towards subs. So, yeah, pick your heads up over there. Let's get those things back. And, I mean, just constantly pick. I mean, this guy had, like, I suffer from ADHD, OCD, and DUMB. Don't get it, but this guy had a worse case, man. His was even worse. Hey, go over there, pick that up. I mean, just yelling in a little microphone there and stuff like that. I remember I walked up to him and I said, excuse me, sir. I said, can you tell me where Grace Baptist Church is? He said, I can, but you don't want to go there. I said, well, why don't I want to go there, sir? He said, everybody who goes there gets saved. He says, you won't believe the place that I'm losing Sunday morning workers, the people getting saved, people singing hymns. 
people being happy. And I'm looking at this guy, and I mean, you could make a TV commercial about this guy. You know, everybody's all happy now. Nobody wants to work on Sunday mornings. They're all principled. I'm looking at this guy. I said, can you just tell me where it is? And he, he said, right down the road on the left. So I couldn't. Finally, I used my flip phone, the thing you don't want to do. And I'm like, Pastor, I'm lost. I'm running up and down the road. He said, I'm the guy in the middle of the road waving my hands. So I turned in, went up to the church. And a few months went by, and I called to check on the pastor. And he said, Brother Doug, do you remember that manager, John, over at the sheet station? I said, I do. He said, he's in the third row of the choir now, brother, <laughs> on the left-hand side. He's, he says he's been converted. as When God starts working, people talk about that. Uh, look what it says here in 15. And they come to Jesus, and they see him that was possessed with the devil, and he had the legion sitting and clothed and in his right mind, and they were afraid. Folks, can you imagine when God changes somebody that, that much? just completely changed. And when God gets a hold of somebody, boy, he did that in my life. People would be afraid to see me that I grew up with probably still to this day. But they see, they see the legion, he's clothed. He's got clothes on. They're not seeing cuts bleed anymore. He's got a smile on his face that only God can give. He's got the peace that passeth all understanding. Isn't that what we need in life today, folks? Don't we need that today? And, uh, and they're all afraid. And I, I kind of get that. I'm like, Man, this guy was just the guy we hit our kids from. This guy is the guy that we, we were always dealing with and, and, and going upside down and, and with our kids and wonder, wondering all that. Look at 16. And, and they that saw it told, it, uh, told them how it befell to him that had been possessed with the devil and also concerning the swine. And, and, and folks, we didn't have Facebook. We, we didn't have the Internet. We didn't have a newspaper. Words getting around. Strange things are happening. And you know those pigs we're raising for the Samaritans, for the unclean people? And, boy, we're going to be mad about that. We just lost a couple thousand pigs, and people are upside down. This guy got off the boat. He says he's God. The, the maniac of Darrow cried and cut himself with stones. And, you know, he, he went over to J.C. Penney. He's got a suit and a tie. And, and, man, we don't know who he is. He's sitting over there next to the Lord. He's all dressed at the very minimum. And they don't know what to do. And they're, they're telling everybody, can you imagine? I hope we can go back and watch a video of that event. You know, I went to the NFL Hall of Fame years ago, and you can click buttons and watch videos of people's performances. I hope there's a button in heaven I can go back and watch those people out there talking. But look what it says in 17, some of the saddest words in the Bible. And they began to pray him to depart out of their coast. You know, the first time I read that, I, I said, you know, I get this. They want these people to leave. They want this guy who's the maniac of Gadara. They want this guy whose life's upside down to get out of town. I get it. But then when you read it out, you find that they're praying for Christ to leave. And folks, before we get all self-righteous and judging those people back then, that's exactly what we're doing today in the United States of America. Those are some really sad words. But look what happens there in verse 18. Just two more verses and we're done. And when he was come out of the ship, he that had been possessed with the devil prayed that he might be with him. Man, imagine getting everything right, having life work out, everything's going good, and you're like, i got to go with Jesus. I've never had it this good before. I am so happy. I'm not crying. I'm not cutting myself with stones. My life isn't upside down. For the first time, I can remember everything's good, and he's praying right, and Jesus is right here. He's right here. One day we'll have that, folks. If you accept Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, one day you're going to have it. He's going to be right here, and you're going to be praying to him. But look what happens in verse number 19. It says, Howbeit Jesus suffered him not, but saith unto his friends, saith unto them, Go home and tell thy friends, and tell them what great things the Lord hath done for thee, and have had compassion on thee. He tells this old maniac of Gadara, he hadn't been through four years of Bible college. 
He hadn't even done a year Bible certificate at the local college. He hadn't been in any Sunday school classes. He hadn't done anything at that point. But you know what God said? Go home and tell your friends what I did for you and how the great and compassionate things. Isn't that an order for all of us? So we got the man. The miracle is this guy gets saved. All those demons come out. Those, those crazy uh, pigs go all over the place and lose control. And then he gets a mission. He said, this is what your mission is, Legion. Go tell your friends. Go tell all that legion of people out there. Go share with them what I did for you. That's our mission, folks. There's a world out there crying and cutting themselves with stones. There's a world out there whose lives are upside down. There's a world out there of people who are depressed. There's a world out there of people who are doing all those different things. And God says, go tell them about me. You know, I'd be remiss if I closed without telling you what changed my life. And that was Jesus Christ. You know, there's four things the Bible tells us we need to know to be saved. First thing the Bible says, I better not go near that speaker. I bet you learned that before, didn't you, brother? Praise. I'm glad I didn't have one of those pieces in my ear at the same time. That, that was kind of weird over there. It's like, it's like there's a demonic force field right there. Wow, man. It, kind of, it was like being struck by a little bit of lightning, you know, a little, a little bit snuck through. But the first thing you need to know I can't be trusted unless I get back on track here. We're all sinners. You know what the Bible says about that? That's a real serious thing. One sin changed the entire world, my friends. One sin changed everything. The Bible says there are none of us that are righteous. It says there are none righteous, no, not one. The Bible says we're all sinners, every one of us, and we all fall short of the glory of God. Isn't that the truth? First thing you need to know is you're a sinner. Second thing you need to know to be saved is there's a price on sin. You know what the Bible says? It says, for the wages of sin is death. Because sin has entered into this world, we're all going to die. As long as there's death in the world, we know there's sin in the world. As long as there's sin in the world, we know there's death in the world. So number one, you're a sinner. Number two, there's a price on sin, which is death. Here's the great news. Number three, Jesus paid that price. But God commendeth his love toward us. Well, we were yet sinners before any of us were born, before any of us were thought of. Jesus Christ died for our sins. There's no excuse anymore, folks. We're sinners. There's a price on sin, but Jesus paid that price. But you know what? You can know those things. Can I tell you something? I want you to think about this as I say it to you. It's the real deal. You can know those things and still go to hell. Because the Bible says we must speak it with our mouth. Got to pray. Let me read it to you in Romans 10, 9 and 10. That if thou shalt confess with thy mouth the Lord Jesus and shalt believe in thine heart that God has raised him from the dead, thou shalt be saved. You know what the Bible's saying? You need to enlist. You need to pray and ask Christ to save you with your mouth and believe it. In just a minute, pastor's going to tell you how you can do it right here. And then it even tells us in verse 10 that the heart speaketh unto righteousness. You know what the Bible's saying? There's a lot of people that are 12 inches between their heart and their brain here. But we need to get this right. We need to pray and ask God to save us, ask Christ to save us, and, and, and believe in him alone to take away our sins. And you know what? He will. And then it opens the toolbox of benefits that we're going to be talking about tonight with PTSD. It opens all those benefits to every single one of us. You know, when I was 17 years old, I went in the Army. I told my parents, I said, you know, I'm joining the Army. I'm getting sick of being told what to do. I don't know if any of you, I'm sick and tired of it. I'm going to go in the Army. People are going to leave me alone. Boy, was I messed up, man. I had hair down to about here, and John Lennon glasses was hitchhiking everywhere. And Man, I still remember. I remember one day I was hitchhiking home from football practice, was helping out after I finished school, and a car flipped around in the middle of the road. And I said, man, that's either a pervert or an Army recruiter. 
turned out to be both, praise God. But anyway, he gave me a ride home and I joined the army. Four things. It's that easy, it really is. But you've got to speak it with your mouth, believe it with your heart. You're a sinner. There's a price on sin. Jesus paid that price. And folks, if you speak it with your mouth, if you pray and you mean it in your heart, it's real to you, and you ask him to save you, you know what he's going to do? He's going to save you. And that's the beginning of your road toward recovery. Dear God, we love you. Oh God.